Thank you, Julie. Um, so today, um, I don't have the PowerPoint because I got the last second thing. So if you guys have your Bible, I will encourage you to open your Bible and follow along with me. And yeah, so I got a, some, I got a conviction to tell you guys. It's more like confession, I guess. So we'll, um, let me open my Bible to where I want it first here. So you might, you guys might judge me differently after this. Okay. So, gotta tell you, I'm an addict. Right? I'm a sweet tea addict. Okay. So I like sweet tea a lot. So if it's the sweet tea not sweet enough, that's not sweet tea for me. Make you make one time a sweet tea. It was terrible sweet tea. Just she only put one scoop of a sugar in this big jar. I'm like, that's not sweet tea. But yeah, so did I get you guys? Do you think I'm going to say? See, we can take stuff out of context, right? When I say I'm addicted to something, you guys are like, oh no, you're addicted. Yeah. So some of us could go out there and say, oh, Tagu, the youth minister over there, he's a, an addict, you know, and just stop right there. That's out of context. And that's just horrible to, tell, to do that anywhere with anybody. It would just just bad, right? So that's what brings us today in this message, in this future presentation, that we're going to talk about out of context, the Bible out of context. How many of you guys ever heard somebody taking a Bible out of context? Like literally just taking it out of context and just tell people, okay? So one of them, we're going to go through some. I don't know how long we're going to do this. Maybe we're going to, two hours here, maybe three hours, I don't know. No, not, not going to be that long. So we're going to take uh, out of context. Wow, it's so loud. Um, if you guys want to go to 2 Samuel with me, 2 Samuel 6. It's so loud. It's, okay, um, are you guys there? 2 Samuel 6.20. I heard this verse. Some, I heard somebody take this verse out of context about dancing. So let's read it. Um, but when David returned to bless his household, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel distinguished himself today. He uncovered himself today in the eyes of his servant mates, as one of the foolish ones shamelessly uncovered himself. So in some, verse, some version, they say like, Michal said, Why are you king? Why are you dancing naked in front of your servant, in your maid? So some people here, not here, I'm saying here because in general, I, some people take this out of context. I heard somebody tell me, see that verse said we shouldn't dance because Michal tell David that you shouldn't dance. But is it really the context though? If we read the context, well, there's some question we need to ask. Is it really what this context said that we shouldn't dance? Did David really dancing naked? Let's go to verse 14. Um, and David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So he's not really dancing naked. It's linen ephod. It's a, a priestly stuff. David put this priestly, priestly um, garment so he danced for God. So David put down his uh, royal robe, his kingly 
thing and put the priestly thing to worship God. And if we see context more detail, why did Jesus dance for the Lord wearing this priestly stuff? It's because, you guys can read it by yourself when you got home, but it is about David go to some place and they have a war and they win and they found an Ark of the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant. It had been lost for a long time. They found it. David was so happy. Somebody in this verse, I forget what's his name, they were so happy they touched the Ark of Covenant and then God got angry and he died. So David like, whoa, I'm not going to bring this to the, this, the, the city of David, you know, because, but we're so happy and David bring this Ark of the Covenant to somewhere else. You guys can read it at home. I, we can go, I have a lot of stuff that I want to like talk about here. So, David's so happy you find this Ark of Covenant that's been lost forever. And Michal, why did Michal said this to David? Okay, let's read in verse 16. Then it happened, as the Ark of the Lord came into the city of David, that Michal, the daughter of Saul, who Saul, do you guys know who Saul is in the Old Testament? The king before David? Look out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. She despised him in her heart. Do you guys ever have somebody don't like you that will say anything to take you down? Anything, like anything. They're going to take stuff out of context and they're going to say bad stuff about you and even though it's not true. I think this was going on, that she got angry that God chose David as a king instead of Saul. And David and God, and God, listen to this, God chose David to find the Ark of Covenant instead of King Saul. So she despised David and she hates him. So that's why she said, why are you dancing naked, David? You're a king, right? So no, this is not me making a stand like we can dance at church or no, you can't dance at church. This is just me telling you guys, we're taking Bible out of context. If we, in this, in this point, that David don't really dance naked, did he? He wear kingly, not kingly, a uh, priestly robe. And if you look at it, it's like very close. They have rope all the way down. I don't think he's going to make real uh, the, the ephod that the priestly did, but it almost look like that. So he's not dancing naked. He actually put down his kingly, his royalty to become a priest for God, to show it to God. So, and that's one, okay? And Michal here trying to put David's reputation down. And I like, I like David. I like David's answer. So if you, I told this to the teen a lot. If you read your Bible, there's a lot of sassy people out there. Jesus is sassy. We, we go through Job and God just sass Job like sass. So David here answered Michal. So David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father, above all his house, to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will celebrate before the Lord. So, basic, David basically said, God liked me more than you, Dad. That's why I find this Ark Covenant. You're just jealous. Get out of here. Right? So, this what basically David said. So, that's one. And this, the next 
the next few, uh, the next two one. Oh, I have eight here, but I'm gonna go through it fast. The next one is seven deadly sins. Who knows? Who can tell me the seven deadly sins? Raise your hand. All of them, or at least one of them. Sloth, which is laziness, right? Sloth. Which is, okay, let's go. I have all seven of them. Lust, greed, pride, envy, gluttony, wrath, and sloth. Right? That's what we know. Does the Bible have seven deadly sins? Does this based on the Bible? That's a good question, guys. Let's go to Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. I find all these verses when I'm, writing my, when I'm reading my Bible and I read this, I'm like, oh, wait a second. Proverbs 6, verse, verse 16 to 19. You guys there? Because this is important. The Word of God is important. Okay. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are abomination to Him. Ooh. Seven deadly sins, right? Is it the same what we know though? How the eyes, lost a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plan, feet that run rapidly to evil, false witnesses to utter lies, and, and, who, and one who spreads strife among brothers. So, according to me, this is how I interpret it, okay? How the eyes is lust. Good. It's there, right? A lying tongue for me is lying. Mm, I don't think there's a lying in our seven deadly sins. No. Uh, a hands that shed innocent blood, which is, I think it's murderer. Is there a murderer in what we believe? No. A heart that devise, devises wicked plan, evilness. A feet that run rapidly to evil. For me, that's a covet that you just want something really bad, that you would do something bad to get it, right? And a false witness who utters lies, false witness, and uh, one who spreads strife among brothers, deceiver. So out of those seven, we only have one right, lust. But somehow we take this seven deadly sins like this. I don't know who started, but we're taking it out of context, right? I think so. And, oh, this is fun. Are you guys ready for this? Holy water, is it biblical or not? What do you guys think? If you say yes, raise your hand. Holy water, biblical or not? Isaac thinks biblical, but... So nobody thinks it's biblical? All right, this is fun. I like this. I'm having fun. Numbers 5. Everybody open to Numbers 5. So this whole chapter is about the holy water. It's biblical. But is it, how do we use it though? This is different. Numbers 5 is chapter 11 through 31. Um, but let's go to Numbers 5 verses 17. Numbers chapters 5 verse 17. And the priests shall take the holy water in an earthenware vessel and he shall take some of the dust that is on the floor of the tabernacle and put it on the water. So holy water is biblical. It is. But what 
did we do? What do we use to with holy water today? Somebody give me a big stab. Sprinkling. Do that. Yeah, we drink it for the blessing, right? If in this verse, though, in this verse, if we read uh, in this chapter, I I encourage you guys to read all this when you got home. Okay. So if I did some, I say something wrong, you guys can come to me and we can talk about it. In this chapter, holy water is the first, the first lie detector. If you read it, it's the first lie detector. It's I'm gonna put it quickly in Tugu version of new Tugu version. Right? The youth group, the youth group hear a lot about this, but this is a new Tugu version of the Bible. So basically, it said if you think your wife, guys, if you think your wife cheating on you, you go to the priest, and the priest will, the priest will do this holy water, and the 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 priest will give that holy water to the wife, and she has to drink it. If she really cheat on you, her stomach gonna blow up, and she gonna suffer, hurt and stuff. And then the husband have any right to laughter, but if she drink it and nothing happen, that's mean that's not cheating. She's not cheating on you, so. That's about it. That's the holy water, right? I encourage you to read this chapter. So, imagine if you're if you you if you're a female, imagine your wife think I think you're cheating on me. Let's go to a priest, and the priest give you this water. You do he he does all this stuff. Give you water, and you're not cheating on on him. What would you think the rest of your life? You're not gonna trust him anymore, right? So this this. This is the holy water to do that. Two is first light detector, but we're taking it out of context. Well, not we, but people taking it out of context, and we use it for our purpose. That's the whole thing of the taking off context. And uh, I want to thank Annie Nielsen for this, actually. Discipline your child. Everybody complete the sentence after me. Um... Do you guys remember? You know that verse, right? Everybody quote it. If you spoil, spare the rod. Is it though? Is it? Let's go to Proverbs thirteen, twenty-four. If you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Is it really said that? Twenty-four. Anybody want to read it beside me? Feel like somebody have to read it beside me. Nobody. Ooh. Say it again, Joe. So basically, say he who spare his rods hates his son. Not spoil the son. Hate your son. And continue. Can you continue, Joe? So spoil and hate, that's two different things, right? What is spoil? Spoil is you giving them anything, everything you want and just like, you know, do whatever. Hate your son. That means if you don't discipline your kid, you just let them do whatever you want, you hate them because you don't care what they're doing. Discipline doesn't mean always like you do something bad and I'm going to, you know, destroy you. Spanking count. But 
if you just keep spanking them, on like you know, on without any purpose, if they don't do anything bad, that's different. That's abuse. But spoil. If you spare the rod, if you don't discipline your kids, you just let them be, grow up, become a lawless person, and that's when you hate the son. Then you hate your kids. So if you spare the rod, hates your son, not spoil your son, hates. It's a worse than spoil, in my opinion. And next one, oh, I like this one too. I don't know about you guys, but I'm having fun right now. Philippians four thirteen. Philippians four thirteen. It's in the Old Testament, almost at the end of the Bible. Not too long. If you go to Revelation, you passed it. In the New, in New Testament, at the end of your Bible. Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Him, through Christ, who strengthened me. I can't do all things. Huh. Great. So, if I go up to the ceiling, to the roof, can I jump and fly? But I can do all things. All, all things through Christ strengthen me. If I go to the gym, okay, my max on my bench press by myself and somebody spotting me is 205. Right, one time. But if I, before I work out, I'm like pumping myself. Let's say I'm pumping myself. All right, you can do this. You know, I don't know if you know how do you pump yourself. That's how I pump myself. I look like an idiot in gym sometimes. I was like, okay, let's do it. And then if I quote this and I put 300 pounds on my bench press and I say, I can't do all things through Christ who strengthened me. I don't need a spotter. I can't even get that thing up, okay? I can't even do it. If I can get that barbell up right here and I go down, I'm pretty sure you're going to crush me. I probably couldn't push it up. And people probably help me. And there's a few times, there's a few times that, that I can't push that barbell up by myself. There's a few times. The first time, because my left arm is weaker than my right arm, because it's my dominant arm, I'm, I did this, was like, and I crushed myself. People helped me. And the second time, I crushed myself. I don't really crush myself, but I can't push it up. But if I quote this, I can through Christ who strengthened me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me, but I can't push it up. And I'm going to be like, well, God doesn't love me because I didn't push that barbell up, right? Because the Bible said so. No, this verse saying that you can do all things to Christ when you follow God, when you do God's will, when you go through all of this like Paul did, and you go through a bad time, no matter what it is. If you know about Paul, Paul have gone through what? Shipwreck, stone, false witness. And Paul said, I can do everything through Christ who strengthened me. It's your life situation. It's your God blessing you through this. Oh, and then judging. Everybody know this verse. Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge, right? Do not judge. You can't judge me. Only God can judge me. Who are you judging me? Do not judge. The Bible says do not judge. Do not judge. But they do not go through the whole thing. This verse itself says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For the way, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measures, it will be measured to you. Do not judge people unfairly. I think that's what the Bible said. If you judge people, 
if you just see, meet somebody and you judge people like that, and then it's not true, and then do not get mad until when you see somebody and, and they judge you in the wrong way like you judge somebody. I think that's what he said. Do not judge the people for you are the way to ju- they're going to judge you that way. No. I'm going to... I'm going to take Joe's example. Like, he has tattoo, right, all over the place. I heard a lot of people, if you have tattoo, you're a bad person. Look at Joe. He's the nicest person you ever meet. <laughs> That's how you not judge people. You can't judge people by their appearance or by anything. You can't just see people like, oh, Joe has a lot of tattoo. Don't go to him. He's bad. He just go to church because he wants stuff from God. No, he's probably one of the godly guy I ever met in this place, anywhere. Do not judge the way, or they will judge you the way it is. And John 14, 13 to 14. If you guys go with me to John 13. Oh, that's too long, too far. 14 to 13. 13 to 14. Okay. Right? Oh, John 14, my bad. That's on me. John 14, 13 to 14. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do so, so that Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So I can pray anything then, right? So I can pray and ask God, I want a PlayStation 4. Oh, no, PlayStation 5. And then God just like send his PlayStation. Oh. Right? No. Or let's take an example. Like if I want like right now, and say like, God, please give me like, um, I don't know, help me to get like a simple thing. I want a little ball, right? Maybe God help me with a simple ball, you know. Let me cough it up myself. So my, I would be like, <coughs> and then get the ball up. Right? Right? Is that, is that how it works? Is that how it works though? No, right? But that's what the Bible says. If you ask God, God will give it to you. But if I want to put it here, and then let's pray. God, I need more. I need more of the ball. I need two more so I can have extra so I can give it to somebody. God, please give me more. And then God is like, shh, there's wind. And he's like, go get three more. What? 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 What happened? Right? Is that how it works? No, no. This is just a hand trick. Like Eli got surprised, but to I do that to entertain the kids real quick. But it's just hand trick. I have this the whole time here. I'm hiding it from you guys. But it's just all hand trick. So this verse again talking about what? When you pray to God, when you go through something hard for God, then you ask God to help you go through it. He will help you go through it. And it's the context. The con- context is important. Last one on this is Psalm 46.10. Book of Psalm, Old Testament. Book of Psalm. Psalm 46.10. Be still, then know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nation. I will be exalted in the earth. So, people just quote this verse. Which part of the, this verse people quote it the whole time? 
be still. So that means just don't do anything. God take over, right? Be still. You can just chill and God will take over everything. No, it's God, you need to do your part before God do your part. There's a lot of time in my life that I've been, I did everything I can and I'm stuck. That's when you be still and be with God and trust God in everything. If you just be still and do nothing, God wouldn't give you anything. If you're hungry and you quote this Bible verse in the wrong way, be still. I'm still hungry. I can't do anything. But God said, be still to you. Be still after you do all you can. Trust God and do your part. And God will bless you with it. Okay? So that's, that's what it is. So why do I go through this? Because I want you guys to know that Bible... If, if there's any title on this verse, is Bible is not a book of bumper sticker quote. You can just quote your Bible like that. And just quoting to give your heart, to, to make you feel better. So, but I'm not saying that you can encourage people by quoting Bible verse. Go ahead, you can do that. But you need to know what their situation in life. And you need to know the right context for it. Philippians 4.13 4, is my favorite. If I just tell Matt working out with me, I tell Matt, Matt, you can go through everything. You can do everything, Matt. Let's do this 500-pound bench press. He can't do that. That's not in the context. If you tell the story and you give the right Bible verse in the right moment in their life, it will mean more than them. The Bible is double-edged sword. Hebrews 4.12 say, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. You guys ever hold the sword? Sword, you can do it two ways, right? If you can use it right, you can protect yourself, you can protect your family, right? If you don't know how to use sword and you're swinging around, you will hurt, you will hurt somebody. I'm not going to, I will never give, if I have a real sword, I will never give my sword to Isaac. You know why? Because he's just going to swing around like anything. Okay? He just swing and break everything in the house. It's like the Bible. The Bible is the sword of the Spirit. If you use it right, if you quote it in with the right context, in somebody's life, in the similar, in the similar situation, it will give them courage. It will give them peace. But if you just misquote the context, it will give them a false sense of security, a false sense of peace. It will hurt them more than help them. Because our Bible is not a book of bumper sticker quote. You need to have that in the bumper sticker. Bible is not a book of bumper sticker quote. It's the Word of God. It changed our life. So, I want to encourage you guys, next time when you try to encourage somebody with the Bible verse, make sure you, like, with the right context, with the right situation in their life, with the right timing, with the right quote of the Bible, with the right context in their life. It will help them more than just throw a random Bible verse to them. So...
Right. So let's go. Let's pray. That's all I have. So let's pray and we close. And if you want to get to know more about Jesus, just come up here and good elder or me or somebody. Let's pray. God, thank you for today and thank you for everything you give it to us, God. And um, thank you for giving us Bible and uh, telling uh, a way so we can learn more about it and learn more about the context. And God, I want to pray so each one of us here can learn more about you and um, not taking enough context because it's going to hurt somebody more than help him. And thank you for your son. In the name of Jesus, pray. Amen.